standing for the reading of scripture. Our text this morning is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. This is what God says. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. The slave therefore falling down prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe. So this fellow slave fell down and began to entreat him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. He was unwilling, however, but went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. You may be seated. How should we deal with people who have hurt and disappointed us? An angry 10-year-old girl uh, who was being disciplined once uh, wrote this note to her father. Daddy, I don't know about liking you. If you keep after me, I will hate you for sure. If you will not stop getting after me, I will love you better than I do now from your half-loving, half-hating girl to her half-loving, half-hating daddy. How should we deal with people who have hurt and disappointed us? I know a man, he's in his late 40s, he's a professional, well-off financially, had a wife and uh, children who loved him, he called me one day in my office and asked if I would meet with him. So I went to his office and for the next three or four hours, 
through tears, he poured out his heart to me. He uh, and his wife had married late and decided not to have children right away. And while that was the case, they had a happy marriage. But then they did decide to have a child. And suddenly this man felt like he was no longer number one in his wife's life. The baby was taking up that time that had been so precious to him, and he was hurt by this. Obviously, the wife didn't intend to hurt him, but he was hurt. And then he met another woman at work who was married, but they began to have an affair. And that had gone on for several years. And then this woman and her husband had decided to adopt a child. And the same thing that had happened with his wife began to happen with his mistress. And he no longer felt like he was number one in her life. That day he had called her up to put off the affair, to put an end to it. He went on about a number of other things. His business was not going well. He did not get along with his partner. He felt like his clients didn't really respect him or appreciate him as much as they should. He was very sensitive about what he did. Uh, he was sensitive about uh, the jokes that his friends would uh, make about his profession and particularly about the amount of money that he charged. Well, this man had been hurt and disappointed over and over again by his wife, by his lover, by his partner, by his clients, by his friend. And he was continuing to hurt. He was one of the most miserable people I think I've ever known. And he will continue to hurt until he learns how to deal with people who have hurt and disappointed him. I know a woman who's been married for over 40 years. From all outward appearances, they seem to have had a good marriage and a good life together. But when she begins to open up with you, it's amazing how she can go back 20, 30, 40 years and tell you about the slights that she has received from her husband. She's felt that all of her life he hasn't appreciated her, that she's spent all of her life making him look better than he actually is, as most wives do, and not being appreciated for it. Now, she'll tell you all of these things, and then she'll say, of course, none of this bothers me. But the very fact that she can recall these things that happened decades ago in such detail gives the lie to what she's saying. She's been hurt and disappointed by her husband, and she will continue to hurt 
until she learns how to deal with her husband who has hurt and disappointed her. Judith Vjorst uh, writes uh, children's books, and one of her books is entitled, I'll Fix Anthony. And this is a little boy who uh, feels like he has been hurt and disappointed by his older brother. He says, my brother Anthony can read books now, but he won't read any books to me. He plays checkers with Bruce from his school, but when I want to play, he says, go away or I'll clobber you. I let him wear my Snoopy sweatshirt, but he never lets me borrow his sword. Mother says, deep down in his heart, Anthony loves me. Anthony says, deep down in his heart, he thinks I still stink. Mother says, deep, deep down in his heart, where he doesn't even know it, Anthony loves me. Anthony says, deep, deep down in his heart, he still thinks I stink. When I'm six, I'll fix Anthony. Well, this little boy has been hurt and disappointed by his older brother. He wants to pay him back. How are we supposed to deal with people who have hurt and disappointed us? Well, the Bible tells us. It says, forgive them. Always forgive. Our text this morning begins with Peter asking a question about how often he should forgive someone who has hurt and disappointed him. Up to seven times? You almost get the feeling that Peter isn't really concerned about how many times he should forgive, but how soon can he get past the forgiveness part and begin to pay these people back? But the answer that Jesus gives Peter makes it very clear that there is only one way to deal with people who have hurt and disappointed us. By saying that we should forgive people seven times 70, Jesus is really saying that we should always forgive. Always forgive? Aren't there times that, that people deserve to be put in their place? Aren't there, aren't there times that people deserve to be taught a lesson? How about after 490 times? Well, that was Peter's mentality. If we're counting, then we haven't really understood what forgiveness is all about. Always forgive? Is that reasonable? It's the most reasonable thing in the world. And the parable that Jesus tells illustrates this. There was a man who owed what in today's currency would be about $10 million. At this particular time, King Herod's annual income was only 900 talents. The annual tax for the regions of Galilee and Perea together was only 200 talents. This man owed 10,000 talents. Now the text doesn't tell us how he got 
this badly in debt, but it almost makes you wonder if they didn't have credit cards back then. The point Jesus is making here is simply that this man owed a debt that was impossible for him to pay back. At an average day wages, it would have taken this man 30,000 years to pay off what he owed. This was a debt that was impossible to be paid off. The only hope this man had was that his creditor would have mercy on him and cancel the debt, which is exactly what happened. The king had mercy on this man and canceled his debt, a debt that he could never have paid off by himself. But then look at how this man responds to the mercy and the forgiveness that has been granted him. He goes out and he finds another man who owes him what would be the equivalent of about $20 in our currency. And he demands that this be paid back immediately. And when the man is not able to pay it back, he has him thrown into debtor's prison. Is it, is it reasonable for someone who has been forgiven so much to forgive or to refuse to forgive so little? Is that reasonable? And you see what Jesus is saying here. He's, he's saying that this is the way that people are to behave in the kingdom of heaven, in the realm where God rules. He's saying this is the way that Christians ought to behave. We, you see, are the ones who owe a debt that we could never, ever pay. Only God exercising mercy and compassion had the power to cancel the debt that we owed. And that's what God has done with us. And so no matter what kind of hurt and pain has been inflicted on us, our willingness to forgive that is as nothing compared to the great debt that God has forgiven us. The king says to this man in verse 33, should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And when he uses the word should, he's emphasizing the moral reasonableness of what was required of this slave who had been forgiven so much. Always forgive. Always is that reasonable? It's the most reasonable thing in the world. In the first place, it's reasonable to always forgive because this is the way God, our King, has dealt with us. And in the second place, 
It's reasonable to always forgive because forgiveness is what those who have hurt and disappointed us need, not our self-righteous revenge. Robert Coles, a Harvard psychiatrist, has written about a young black girl by the name of Ruby Bridges. In the 1960s, Ruby Bridges was one of the first black people to be allowed into an all-white school. And every day when Ruby went to school and every afternoon when she came home from school, a group of 50 to 75 white people would be waiting for her to make fun of her and even make threats. One day, her teacher told Robert Coles that Ruby would often stop and talk with these people. And so that night, Robert Coles asked Ruby about that. He couldn't believe it. He said to her, your teacher told me that she saw you talking to people in the street. Oh yes, I told her I wasn't talking to them, I was just saying a prayer for them. Ruby, you pray for the people there? Oh yes, really, yes. I said, why do you do that? Because they need praying for, she answered. Do they? Oh yes. Ruby, why do you think they need you to pray for them? Because I should. Notice the word that she uses. I should. Why? Because I should. Then Ruby's mother came into the room. She had heard this line of inquiry and she said, we tell Ruby that it's important that she pray for the people. She said that Ruby had the people on a list and prayed for them at night. I said, you do, Ruby? You pray for them at night too? Oh, yes. Why do you do that? Well, because they need praying for. Ruby, I'm still puzzled. I'm trying to figure out why you think you should be the one to pray for such people, given what they do to you twice a day, five days a week. Well, she said, especially it should be me. Why you especially? Because if you're not going through what they're doing to you, you're the one who should be praying for them. And then she quoted to me what she had heard in church. The minister said that Jesus went through a lot of trouble and he said about the people who were causing the trouble, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Why did, why did Ruby Bridges pray for these people and forgive them? Because she should. Even as a little child, she understood the moral reasonableness of someone like herself who had been forgiven so much to in turn forgive what was being done to her. And after all, it's only through forgiveness, never through revenge, that relationships are healed and made right. Always forgive? Always? Is that reasonable? It's the most reasonable thing in the world. And in the last place, it's reasonable to always forgive 
because it's what we who have been hurt and disappointed need to do in order to experience peace of mind and fellowship with God. Remember that man I was talking about earlier? Some, some of the hurts that he had experienced were only perceived hurts. His wife didn't intend to hurt him when their child was born by neglecting him. But whether hurts are perceived or whether people have actually meant what they've done when they've hurt and disappointed us, it still hurts. Listen, when somebody hurts us, there's no denying that it hurts. And that person who hurt us is responsible for hurting us. But what is going to heal that hurt? Will just staying up nights obsessing over it heal that hurt? Will bringing it up in conversations with other people hurt, heal that hurt? Will becoming embittered against that other person heal that hurt? Will thinking of ways we can get back at this person heal that hurt? No. It just makes it worse. And the pain, the hurt, will continue. But the person who has been hurt and disappointed is responsible for that continuing hurt. The person that hurt them initially is responsible for that. But if we engage in this kind of behavior, in this practice of unforgiveness, then we are the ones who are responsible for the continuing hurt that we feel. When I was 11 years old, my brother threw a cornstalk at me uh, like a spear. Uh, and we had a strict rule back then that you only could hit people below the waist. Well, he got me right in the lip. And I don't know if it's because of bad aim or if he did it intentionally, but I still have the scar here. It just about took off my upper lip. And that hurt. But they bandaged it up, and uh, it was going to get better. But what if I had gotten up every day and gone to the mirror, torn the bandage off, opened the wound up to remind myself of how badly my brother hurt me? What if when I was with my friends, I'd take the bandage off and open the wound up to show them what a bad guy my brother was. Would the wound have ever healed? No. It wouldn't have. But, but who would have been responsible for that wound not healing? I would be responsible. My brother was responsible for causing the hurt in the first place. But if I continued through the practice of unforgiveness not to allow that wound to heal, then that's on me. You see, when we practice unforgiveness, we lose peace of mind and worse, fellowship with God. Let's not fool ourselves into thinking that we can carry a grudge against someone else and it not affect our relationship with God. 
Look how God dealt or how the king dealt with this man who wouldn't forgive his fellow slave. Uh, it says, and his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Remember, he owed a debt he could never pay off. As long as we are living in this practice of unforgiveness, not only do we lose our own peace of mind, but we're also cut off from fellowship with God. Is it reasonable to inflict this kind of hurt on ourselves when through the practice of forgiveness we could enjoy peace of mind and fellowship with God. Always forgive, always. Is that reasonable? I've told you already. It's the most reasonable thing in the world. If someone has hurt and disappointed you, why not do something reasonable today? Forgive them. That honors God, our King, because it's the way he has dealt with us. It's what those who have hurt and disappointed us need. They need our forgiveness. It's only through forgiveness, never through revenge, that relationships are healed and made right. And through forgiveness, we ensure that we will continue to enjoy peace of mind and fellowship with God. That sounds reasonable to me. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, even as I preach this message, I think of how difficult it has been for me in my life to forgive people who have hurt and disappointed me. Father, remind us again on a daily basis as we read from Lamentations that your mercies are new every day. Remind us of how great our sins are, how impossible it was for us to pay the debt that we owed to you. And Father, as we think about these things and meditate upon your great mercy and your great compassion, Father, through your Holy Spirit, enable us to practice that same kind of mercy and forgiveness with people who have hurt and disappointed us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.